It's been 84 years. <laughs> Sorry, the way you, you had like a small pause there, and I was like, oh man, I can totally sneak this in. We went two different directions, but our hearts still beat as one. I missed you, buddy. <laughs> I'm doing, I miss this, honestly, and it just goes to show you how long it's been. And I know, like, I know our, like, three amazing fans, like, I've been waiting for this to come back. And I say three because they just they just stand out with that much quality and passion of, like, oh, my God, I love these guys. Uh, but, yeah, it's just been a while, man. Oh, my God. It's, 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 it's honestly it's too long. Too long. Too long. It's been so long that when I set up the stream, I was like, I'm sure I did at least four things wrong setting it up because <laughs> I can't remember all the details. Um, yeah. But here we are talking about Loki, um, and we're, we're a little late to the game, but it was worth being late to the game because this marvelous man got to go to California and uh, hang out at Galaxy's Edge, and he met Ray Skywalker, Ooh. and he was like, can you give me an autograph? And she was like, of course, I'm a Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, did she have a yellow lightsaber? She carried around her staff, uh, and I saw Chewbacca. I actually like locked eyes with him. But he was getting hugs from like ten thousand kids at once. But uh, I would say D Disneyland California is like the place to be. It is. It is so much fun. I had an absolute blast, and I I highly recommend if you're gonna go, you gotta build your own lightsaber. It is the best experience. It is like the most nerdy and awesome experience I've ever had in my life. Like, and and my brother said it best. He's like, man, like, bro, when you when you do these things, like, you know how to play. And I'm like, dude. They commit. They commit to making you feel like a Jedi, and it's the best feeling in the world. Best. Well, that's awesome. And you chose a heroic color. You chose green. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's you rock the Jedi life, sir. And I you are a hero. Green. Tell us who you are, because people probably don't <laughs> remember our names anymore. Who are you? <laughs> well, it's good to be back. And of course, my name is Ryan J. Marvel, uh, and that's what we do. Uh, we talk about Marvel as we do our Infinity rewatch. And uh, as, as always, I co-host this experience with my boy, Fantasia. Hello, hello. It's me, Andrew Fantasia. I'm an Infinity Rewatcher, too. Um, mm -hmm. And even though this is not a rewatch, because we are seeing these things for the first time, uh, unless you have some kind of special insider information about Loki that I don't, I'm pretty sure you don't. You're on Kevin Feige's speed dial, though. We all know that. That's been established. I mean, I tried to find him at Disneyland and 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 reveal to or <laughs> let him know that I'm his long lost nephew, but that didn't happen. <laughs> Imagine they made that a character, like they paid an actor, like, "Hey, dude, here's a baseball cap and like a jacket. Just go walk around the park as Kevin Feige." <laughs> every all the adults get to go up to you and pitch ideas. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's it's hilarious. Honestly, actually, uh, the Marvel campus I went there as well, uh, which was amazing, by the way. To be fair, though, they didn't have as much merchandise as I was hoping they would have. They had very little, which was disappointing. But yeah. I did see, I did see Captain Captain America, Sam Wilson, Captain America. I saw Loki. I saw Obi. I saw Iron Man. I saw Wasp, Ant Man, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange. Wow. Black Widow, Black Panther, Taskmaster, and Star-Lord. That's quite a roster. Wow. Did any of them like pick a fight with you? No, but you know, it's funny you say that because I, when I walked around Star Wars, I found the Stormtroopers, but 
there wasn't really much going on. Like you, literally I saw Ray and Chewie walk around and then the stormtroopers, which were, they were hilarious. Just two of them though. But there were no like events. Marvel, they have events like every 30 seconds. Like, and not only that, sorry, I, I forgot to add one more to the roster. I saw Spider-Man. And um, and Spider-Man, if, if you go at certain times, you'll literally see him web-slinging around the building. Like he does this huge flip in the air. Of course it's the the robot but like you see him do like these crazy flips um and then and then black widow we saw her fight oh and i even saw koye as well oh my god i saw koye and another uh um dora Milaje. uh but yeah widow fought taskmaster like at least three or four times okoye taught people how to fight like wakanda style uh dr strange conjured captain marvel and the most priceless thing happened is like he conjures captain marvel she brings him one item and she's like yo i'm peacing out i gotta go do some stuff and i'm like oh man she's just like the movies it's so true to life wow they really got the characters down <laughs> no she did she literally just walks away i bet you all the park employees are like hey can i please be captain marvel today can yeah. i have the five minute shift <laughs> She literally walked away and like kids are like all like crowding around her and she'll sign, she'll sign all the little, like uh little books and everything, but yeah. she just keeps walking. Like she just doesn't care. Damn. Wow. Yeah. They've got her down for sure. That's great. Hello to Skywalker's Academy. Who's in the chat. Um, mm. We you're, I mean, it's your lucky day because we are, we normally don't talk about Skywalkers on this show, but I brought up Ray. So yeah. you're on the right episode, my friend. Welcome aboard. Happy to have you yeah. here. Um, yeah. we are going to talk about Loki, but before we do, because it's been so, so long, uh, mm -hmm. some other Marvel stuff has happened that, uh, we just want to touch on a little bit here. And I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Ryan. Yeah. Um, and it has to do with what Marvel Studios said about primarily Daredevil Born Again, but other stuff, because according to, this is uh, just a bullet point thing from discussing film, which is, you know, take it with a grain of salt because it's just a clickbait aggregate like they all are now. But apparently these are the changes that Marvel Studios wants to make to their TV subsection. Shows will now have proper showrunners that write pilots and show Bibles, which I'm, frankly, I'm stunned that that's not a thing already. Yeah, they, that's kind of weird. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, they will focus more on multi-season serialized TV rather than limited series. Uh, and that's all that little thing says there. And I'm sure there's other little fiddly bits that I can't remember. But I mean, what do you make of this? So, okay. So I've been following a little bit. I haven't seen some of these headlines, uh, not all of them anyway, but I, I the, the the theme is clear as day. Um, <laughs> Skywalker's Academy is like, love Ray. Yeah, love Ray too. Um, and uh so it, the theme is clear as day. And what's happening is, is that I think with the crazy push of content that we had all the way up to Loki at this point, and it feels like literally after we got out of whatever was the last Marvel project there. Um, but after we got out, of, I think it was Ant-Man of the Wasp was like the, the last, like the end of the, 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 the production there. Um, they were pushing themselves too hard. And I think on top of that, Kevin Feige uh, was, was way overextended. And I don't think he had as much oversight as he used to. Because like phase, all, like the Infinity Saga, that was his baby. Like that was yeah. his, 
skyrocket into the world like into the world of production and what he wanted to do with marvel and everything and then like they they amplify the production schedule like producing so many projects so there was like essentially something almost every month like every other month there was definitely like either a series or a movie and that's a lot that's that's just too much and i think what happened is is again that same problem that kevin feige had throughout the infinity saga at first which was you know directors have their own vision of how they think a project should work versus what kevin feige wanted to create a overarching story with cross-pollination of characters so because of the loss of that it kind of throws things for a loop now loki is is an interesting example of that headline you mentioned where it's like they should have someone doing the bible and do and being like a lead showrunner because um because for loki the guy the bible the bible guy if you will was tom hiddleston he talked about how loki works his the lore of loki you know all the things because he, he's been one of the originals and he even says it he's like the og marvel character in the mcu and so he brings all that to the show and he would train the other actors around the lore so they knew what they were referring to in there so that's why it was important to have that and i think with the showrunners absolutely they need to do that and i think after i think this is one of those things especially to just the timing of everything because of the 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 writer strike is now over so the deals are kind of different now but this is the last time we had a writer strike we were starved for good content and even before that content was good but it wasn't great especially tv content i i remember i think it was just like maybe my age or like just the timing of it i don't remember tv shows being all that spectacular like there are a lot of long shows but they weren't really eventful but then after the writer strike we get game of thrones we get like we get all these big tv show productions that were huge and impactful and now I think with this this writer strike finally being over, thank God, and writers are now getting exactly what they're they, they deserve, thank God. Um, I think yes, exactly that with with Disney Plus now, especially with this new world of streaming and everything. I think that with these showrunners, we're gonna see something like we're gonna see some some more aligned Marvel uh, projects now. I think there's gonna be less uh chefs in the kitchen here and and you know kevin feige is gonna lay out the roadmap and he's gonna they're gonna pick peop, the right people for these projects and that's why daredevil i think it's kind of a blessing in disguise because based on what i heard about daredevil there was a lot of concerns that it wasn't even close to like or sorry it wasn't even close to the feeling of the original netflix daredevil series which is like a lot of fans had a lot of negative reception to that. They were like, oh man, this is going to be like a Disneyfied Daredevil. And it's, and that's not like Daredevil is one of those characters you can kind of go to a more grittier tone. And I yeah. hate saying that. We've, we've had podcasts about this. I hate saying like real and dark, but like to be fair, Daredevil is a, a way you can, there's a way you can do his stories that are very uh, kind of gritty and like, you know, very like, you know, knuckle fighting kind of thing. So uh, especially too, cause they even brought back the Punisher. They had, they, you know, they have even have Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, for me, I think it, I think it is good news. Cause it sounds like Feige's cleaning up the, his house of Marvel, man. He needs to, honestly, 
House of M needs to to be a little touched up a little bit. And I see uh, Rosalie on Pizza Party saying, oh, hi. That's wow. Rosalie. That's Mr. James Rosalie himself. He's a pizza man. Rosalie. Rosalie. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Rosalie. <laughs> Hello, sir. Make us a pizza while you're there, please. We'll take everything except anchovies. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I love a good meat lover's pizza. Just like, you know, oh, pepperoni, man, bacon nice. bits or bacon strips. Sorry, bacon strips. And then because of Fantasia now, I love roasted garlic on my pizza. You're welcome, right? You can't you can't not have it now. Game changer. Um, yeah, the strike is definitely, you know, it's it's definitely part of this whole problem here. And like you said, thankfully the writer's strike has has finally come to an end. But now they just need to start fairly paying and treating their actors and their VFX artists, and mm -hmm. we can get the ball rolling again. Um, but the a lot of the strike really revolved, especially when it comes to the, the writers section of it, really revolved around how different streaming was and how much of a different animal it was to regular television and how the, you know, the, the big shots kind of abused that difference to their own benefit. And the streaming thing, it, it's, it really does seem to still be a nut that they haven't quite cracked yet because we've seen examples where we've had shows like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk, where even though we've enjoyed them, and even shows like like uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil, like that are fun, but they just don't know how to pace themselves, and then they end up feeling aimless and either too long or too short. Mm -hmm. And that's not just Marvel's fault. Like we see that everywhere. We saw that with Obi Wan Kenobi. We see that with a ton of. Netflix and Prime Video show like it's it's everywhere. It is a problem with streaming shows. They haven't figured out how to make it um, work for the medium that it's presented in. Uh, the only ones that I've seen where I'm like this feels exactly like how long it needs to be are the stuff Mike Flanagan makes. Uh, that's literally it. But we like until we crack that equation we're going to keep running into that problem. And obviously a lot of Marvel fans have had those problems where, you know, they, they've asked why did Moon Knight need to be six hours and why wasn't it just a movie? Why could Obi-Wan Kenobi have been a two and a half hour movie? Why, you know, why, 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 why did this work? Why didn't this work? Um, and if the shows were continuing down that path, it's nice that they kind of pumped the brakes and said, maybe we need to look at this from a different perspective. Because it it really does seem like it was a case of the studios saw how much money they could save slash make by doing things the streaming way, especially now that we know how much the execs abused streaming uh, to cheat people out of their fair share. Uh, so I think once streaming really became popular, like especially with Disney Plus hitting the scene, it really felt like they were like, we can take all those things we were going to spend money on in cinema and put them in streaming and make more money for us, the, the shareholders. Yes. And that's why we got that giant slate of everything is a show now on Disney plus. Uh, so I'm glad that the brakes are being pumped on that because we did really truly need that as much as I've enjoyed a lot of the stories they've told. Um, I'm hoping now that they let things just be what they need to be. And if, you know, the Ironheart needs to be four episodes and each episode is 20 minutes, so be it, I guess. I don't know. But 
Um, they need to just figure out whatever mathematical code it is mm -hmm. that is unique to streaming because what works for television and what works for film is clearly not working for streaming. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I see I see some Star Wars fans in the chat here with Skywalker's Academy, Skywalker's Academy, and everything. And it's funny because I thought Ahsoka was amazing. I thought mm -hmm. it was really good, but I will say that the end kind of left me a, with a lot of questions. And it's it's kind of a good thing, but it's kind of a bad thing because it was at the same time I'm like, at the same time it's all just really exciting, and then it's just like there's kind of this like to be continued but without even saying it it is just like it just ends and it's like yes oh like what what you know like what did i just watch where is this going um and i feel like with marvel shows they they do something similar but they just drop it like they build everything up and then they just go whoop mm -hmm. and leave it and leave it out in the open and it's like oh you'll figure it out and it's like no that's no <laughs> uh yeah but like it's it's one of those things uh um james here is saying clearly not a star wars fan star wars fans are not even positive <laughs> I, I i i still think there were great moments as but that's the thing and and that goes back to one of the things i was getting at with the disney plus shows is they have great moments but they're still not this this it's 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 what i what i define as the uh the snyder effect and the Snyder effect is it's great visual storytelling. It's, it looks incredible. It feels like moments feel amazing, but there's no conclusion. There's no, there's no like solid, like, boom, this is, there's no solid statement at the end. That's like, this is the show. This is the show, right? Like um, a great example of, of like a good full circle show is if you look at Daredevil season one, two, and three are all like one story in each season it's like season one he becomes daredevil and stops kingpin season yeah. two right now there are heroes that are coming out but they're not like daredevil and then he's got to learn what it takes to be the ultimate hero conclusion right yeah. in the end he like you know he lost he loses his love with electra but at the same time he, he becomes a better hero because of the way he had to deal with punisher season three uh kingpin's back and he's better than ever but at the same time he finds the ultimate weapon against daredevil which is right? the white suit finally <laughs> the white suit but he gets bullseye and 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 who's a great antagonist and he's literally like pinpoint accuracy and it was like just a perfect battle and it's like how do we and then it's still how do we prove that kingpin is bad right so it's it's that thing. There's like there's really good beats, um, but with Marvel, especially some like majority of these shows, there's kind of like there's great moments, but there's no like okay, Miss Marvel. I couldn't even tell you what happened. Like I can't even tell you summary of what the story really was because like yes, it's her origin story, but at the same time like. It, there's a lot of unanswered questions to not even conclude the story. Like what did damage control have to do with everything? And why did they care so much about her? And then on top of that, like the only moment I got that some sort of conclusion is that she's a mutant and they did the cool. Doo -doo 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 -doo. And that's, yeah. but that's the thing. If in the end, it feels like a theme park, you go in, you go enjoy the ride, but in the end you're left wanting more because you want to be more submerged into that theme park game. And not left wanting more in the good way. 
Yeah. It's like, I always leave him wanting more, uh, just left feeling like he didn't need a satisfying meal. And, yeah. you know, that's not the, like, I didn't hate Ms. Marvel at all, but it's, it really was kind of a messy show that really just kind of, at the end of the day, you're like, what is this? Um, and You know, actually the metaphor, I, I remember the metaphor that perfectly captures exactly what you just said. I, I saw it in a video once from uh, from Aaron from Game Grumps when he did Sequelitis. It's it's having snacks versus a high quality dessert. With the ah. snack, the snack is addictive. You just want to keep eating it and keep eating it because it just tastes good, right? Like chips, you just love eating chips because you just keep loving it. But a high class dessert makes you want to look at it, appreciate it, yes. enjoy every bite. So like there's, and that's the thing when a show is done right, that's what it does. It's a high class dessert and you feel very satisfied after eating it, but chips, they're designed to be addictive. So you just kind of, they give you little moments of like, oh, this is super good, but there's no real filling to it. You just constantly need to keep eating more. That's and that, great. It's kind of struggle with the shows right now. Yeah. And you don't even look at chips when you eat them. Like, yeah, you don't, you just. It's not there to be admired. And I'm going to I'm gonna see your food metaphor that I really like, and I'm going to add on to it. Because yeah. right now, the way streaming shows are now, just the way I'm seeing it is it's like, it's like a slow cooker. All right? Imagine you just bought a really expensive slow cooker. And then you just sit there and you're like, okay, time for, time for me to make dinner. All right, what can I make in the slow cooker? Well, I was planning on making this uh, at some point this week, what if I make this in the slow cooker instead of the way I was really going to make it? And then you end up with all these meals where you're like, this meal is fine, but did you really have to use the slow cooker? Like you, or are you just using it because you bought it and now you want to get your money's worth? And that's how I see like Disney plus, for example, like Disney plus did Moon Knight really need to be a show or did you just make it a show because now you have this streaming service and you're like, well, I got to use it for something. I got to get people to pay me a monthly subscription. So yeah. I better put shows out on it. Um, and I think that that is standing in a lot of the creative people's way where maybe they have a great story to tell or maybe they have a great character or a great concept uh, that would work in a film and they're being forced to throw it into this other medium because the Disney corporation wants them to because Disney says make people want to subscribe to Disney plus make people want to use the slow cooker, even though the oven's right there and it's been working fine for the past 100 years. Right. <laughs> um, you can make chili in a saucepan and it'll taste delicious. You don't have to use the slow cooker. You bought it on an infomercial. It's, you know, stop trying to justify the fact that it's there. That's how I feel right now about it anyway, until mm. they can figure out, how to do streaming right and they have done it right sometimes wandavision ahsoka but they they have they have moments where they they really have something on their hands like wandavision for example mandalorian uh or even i'll you know i'll even say loki like bringing it back to our very subject uh, mm -hmm. for today's episode loki season one was brilliant it, and, it, and it works on a lot of levels because uh, because not only is it a new way to tell a story in terms of like how you can branch out and do something different, but on top of that, it, it, it's still very interconnected with the overarching story. And it was the first kind of time that we had something that connects and yet expands everything while still being 
you know, a different aspect of that world. You know what I mean? Like introducing yes. you a whole new area, right? And so this is why storytelling like that works on this platform is, is you know, with these shows and, and why I think showrunners are important in having these like Bibles, because if you're going to tell a, a new story, but telling your audience that everything's cohesive when it doesn't feel like it's cohesive, like Moon Knight's great, but it doesn't, I don't see anywhere where there's a connection to anything like it's. That's it, right? Like it's it's a, it's an isolated story, and I'm all for introducing new characters. But if you're if you're promising me that this is all building towards something, where is it? Like you have to give you have to give and take here, right? Like and and there's been a lot of take, but there's been no giving, right? No giving back to the viewers, no reward for for investing all this time, right? Like. Moon Knight, yes, we get Moon Knight, and that's yeah something, but there's no there's no relationship to anything else, and that makes me go, okay, well, yeah, that was a great show, but it's mm -hmm. got it has to, it has to work towards something. It's like lamb chops. <laughs> it is like lamb chops. Yeah, thank you, James. That's exactly what it's like. Mm -hmm. um, and Loki, I mean, my first thought out of the gate here, Ryan, and I, I, I have sneaky feeling i get a sneaky feeling you feel the same way buddy my first thought when loki season two started uh is what a breath of fresh air it is yeah. after, after the gray concrete blob that was secret invasion to see something that looks colorful and vibrant again right it, it, <laughs> i i i'm not even gonna lie to you that's exactly how i feel <laughs> Uh, I mean, Secret Invasion is another great example of just like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. What's, what was, who was like sitting up at night, like, I got to tell this story of Secret Invasion. Uh, there, and again, great moments. Mm -hmm. Great moments. I will not deny that. The train scene, brilliant. Um, but yeah, whew, what was that? But yes, Loki season two was a breath of fresh air. It was breath, a breath of fresh air, vibrant colors, great set design. But it also just kind of brought us back to what's important here. It's like the timeline is effed. Yes. And, and it was like, okay, yeah, there's some, there's some stuff going on here we need to figure out. And the best part is, is again, not only is it telling a story that affects the meta of the MCU, but at the same time telling an isolated story about this misguided character who is not exactly a hero. He's not, he's not. He's not a hero, but man, do they do a good job painting a great picture of him, uh, making him feel like uh, he's he's just this like misunderstood character. But the beauty of it is, is like literally they do not, there's not one moment where I had to get back into the mindset of like the world of Loki. It was, it was kind of just like getting back into a chair that like a gaming chair, knowing that I'm going to play something good. And, uh, and yeah, just got right into the driver's seat and boom, we were off to the races right out of the gate. And the best part is, it's like they constantly, the, the first episode constantly hits you with new things right out of the gate, but like still keeping everything familiar, which is awesome. Yes. And not only keeping things familiar, but stringing everything along the path that it needs to be strung. And I don't want to speak too soon because we're only two episodes in, but I mean, we are 10 months into phase five, right? Uh, we're, we're pretty much knee deep in phase five. And if this whole saga is about stopping King 
we got to stop effing hiding Kang in the shadows. Kang has to be everywhere. There should be a Kang in every movie and show from this point forward. Mm -hmm. Like there's no excuse not to talk about Kang anymore. So I was really hoping and crossing my fingers before the show began. I was like, please just don't beat around the Kang bush anymore. Like we can't, we don't have time for that. And thankfully they didn't as, mm-hmm. as you know, it's episode one and he's already like, Oh my God, he who remains, he's, he's a bad dude. Look at his statues. Look, I can hear his voice on this thing. If I pull down the wall, his face is behind the wall. Like, yes, thank you. Thank you for not like delaying the inevitable anymore. Uh, we need to get that ball rolling, especially because he's much more complex to adapt for the screen than I think Thanos was. So we can't just drop him into things in Kang Dynasty and have people understand what's going on. We needed him in Ant-Man and we need to keep seeing him. We need to see every form of him possible to show what a threat he is and to differentiate him as a different kind of villain than Thanos. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this show uses a king you know because he's he's coming right he's he's kind of you know sleeping with ravona we all know what's happening so uh we we gotta see how that ball gets rolling and it's already started to roll so this is interesting because yes exactly well first of all you're absolutely right is like we're we're hit with all this new stuff and and you know, you're seeing Kang everywhere. And and that's just it. We're like knee deep into this saga. Like we're well into it now. We're in the deep end at this point. And yeah, like Kang should be the most prevalent villain. Like once Thanos was teased, it didn't take very long to see Thanos everywhere. In fact, Guardians even kicked off being like, hey, I'm here, you know, and I'm, you know, uh, I don't tolerate children. And like, just like, and whining. But like he, uh, yeah, he just like you know gets into the role here. And Kang, what the beauty of it is, is like like Loki and Sylvie wreck the timeline. And what's cool about it is what I like about the storytelling is it's not like prequels where it's like I'm gonna fix things that are you know that were never really there to begin with. This is like we told a great story, and now we're just this is like hitting this is literally uh, like hitting the big reset button. And in a, in a fun way, it's so fun. And yes, like Kang front and center. And I know that there are a lot of fans didn't quite like quantum mania, but it's weird because Marvel, I saw a clip about uh, Marvel executives talking about it. And like, we're talking like Kevin Feige and like some real big, like Marvel comic book fans uh, that work for the, the MCU. And they said that they were really proud of, quantum mania and to be fair if you like i still stand by i still stand by that kang worked kang the villain worked he was a very scary intimidating villain and he was every scene he was in i literally was on the edge of my seat just like just totally blown away by his performance um and i hope you know i hope that uh you know with uh, i know jonathan majors has some sketchy things going on right now uh but i hope justice is served in the right way and that uh in in terms of like whoever i hope i hope whatever the truth comes out of it that yeah I hope whoever's wrong is is punished accordingly and whoever's yeah. right is is uh let off the hook accordingly exactly right <laughs> so um but yeah because i mean like there are ways you can do kang uh but my point is is like kang the character works like it and it's so good 
And I love the TVA world. I'm very curious if, if other characters are eventually going to catch up with Loki in the TVA experience. I don't even know mm -hmm. how or where it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Yeah, that would be cool seeing other characters pop into the TVA. That's a I never even thought of that um, and how they would interact with that world and those people. Um, we saw in this first episode, which was called Ouroboros, uh, we saw primarily a lot of, at least from my standpoint, um, and I'm going to quote Doctor Who here, a lot of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Um, and <laughs> I, I haven't rewatched either of the episodes yet, but there's a lot of sigh in the five in episode one. A lot of, you can't do that because then the time dilation will mm. scoop you out of the nexus. And I'm just like smiling and nodding. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> so I, I, by the time we get to, you know, Owen Wilson is in a big daddy suit and he's covered up with duct tape. I'm like, I'm not sure how we got here, but I'm along for the ride. It's true. The, the, the show picks up steam very quickly. And what I've noticed about this one is some of the rules of time has changed. Um, so, of course, the TVA time, as Owen Wilson said in the first one, or Mobius and Mobius, uh, he said in the first one is time works differently around here. Right. He explains that he's been here for hundreds of years and yet he's still like himself, like he hasn't really aged or anything. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, and what's interesting is is that we learned in Endgame that time doesn't work the way people think it does. Like in Back to the Future, you can't affect the events of the particular timeline. The second you jump, you affect the events of that reality, and then when you come back, your reality is still your reality. It doesn't nothing changes, right? So um, what's interesting is when we see Loki in uh, Ouroboros. Uh, it's, um, he's time slipping, but he's still time slipping. I think we lost your audio, my friend. Let's see. See it. The, the science is so advanced that it broke your microphone. <laughs> Let's it's see. What? True. It's true. Did that fix it? Ah, there we go. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. So, so the the TVA time time flow doesn't work the same. But Loki was time slipping in the same reality. So Loki, I think that's where I left off. I hope that's where I left off. Yes. I like dropped it. Okay. So Loki's time slipping within the same reality. So events that he does when he, especially when he meets Ouroboros, he meets him, uh, in different stages of the past, present, and future of that timeline, which was really interesting. So the show's already demonstrating like. This doesn't work the same. We are doing things differently here. And then we get into, uh, I love this. When we meet Ouroboros, first of all, I love Kikai Kwan. I think he's just, just, oh man, they just found a perfect role for him. Now he's playing a new Marvel character. He doesn't, he's not playing a comic book existing character. Um, unlike uh, Jonathan Majors, who is playing another uh, official variant of uh, Kang, I can't remember his name right now, but it's uh, it's a fancy name. Oh, uh, uh, Victor Timely. Victor Timely. So that is an actual character, uh, a, an actual variant of Kang. Um, so uh, I will I will have more information for you guys when I think when the when he appears next, I will have more information for you uh, because he is a very comic accurate character. 
Um, so anyways, but my point is Ouroboros is, is not, but he's a fascinating character. Uh, and so Loki's time slipping and, and they, what's funny is I thought this would be the time slipping thing would be like prevalent throughout the whole season. Same. They clean that up in one episode, just lickety split. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. I thought they we were in that. for, did you ever watch the Netflix show dark? That German show that was all about time travel and it was like perfect time travel rules. I thought we were in for something like that when he kept slipping. Yeah. Well, okay. So for, I know of the show, I've never seen the show, so I don't know what rules of time that you, uh, you are referring to, but I know, I know there's many theories as to uh, time travel. It's just very, the show does very clean time travel rules where you can always understand, Ooh, that shouldn't have happened. So because that happened, mm -hmm. it must have this cause and effect. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the lost time travel where whatever happens happens uh, you can't change anything, um, but then it, it gets a little more complex than that. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the butterfly effect. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Uh, but yeah, so so um, so yeah. So, but I also got to say though, so the show hits you pretty hard, very fairly quickly. But what's interesting is when they go to the time room. All right, I can't remember what the room is exactly called that Ouroboros takes them to, you notice the door that opens, right? The, the, the big metal door, it opens sideways and there's like a little cylinder in the middle, right? Yeah. Opens up. Did that door not remind you of Cerebro? It does look like Xavier's doors. Yeah. I think that's a little teaser that, uh, mm -hmm. just a reminder that uh, the, the mutants are coming. So I'm curious. I mean, I, I, this is what, and this is why I'm a little like, this is, if I had to chance to talk to Kevin Feige a bit, um, I understand that we want things to serve a story and we don't want to go too crazy, but you know, Cable's cool. Cable likes to time jump. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, like, I would love to see that. That would be kind of neat. Uh, or Apocalypse. That'd be kind of fun. What if when Ouroboros um, opened that door, he just looked right into the camera and went. Da -na 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 -na. But that, but my point is, is like it, it is a nice nod and it's a good reminder that like mutants are coming and X Men's going to be a big thing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, that was a big notice. But I do love the spacesuit that they get Owen Wilson to play, and the writing is so funny this time, this season, or this season. They really elevated the humor in Loki. Like I love that Ouroboros is like, oh, you got to be careful out there because you know time will literally blow your skin off or something. And then Mobius is just like, not, he's just like, wait, what? Oh my God. And then he writes like skin on the computer. <laughs> Ouroboros keeps bringing it up. It's his fault. He keeps talking about how his skin's going to be played. And he's so genuine when he talks about it. And I'm just, I'm so glad we're living in the Kihoi Quanissance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that man is working again. Oh, honestly, it's he is a great symbol of of the power of kindness and yes. like the, just that gentleness. You know what I mean? Like, and how powerful it can be. And it's so nice to have, see him in the projects. And I, honestly, the humor that scene, I was I was busting my gut laughing because it was so funny. And he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, your skin's gonna rip off. You don't come back in time." And he's like, "What? Like, no, that that's really bad." Is there any other way? And he's like, no, or we'll all die. <laughs> oh, man. 
So good. So, so yes, I was a big fan of that. And so, yeah, but they solved Loki's time slipping fairly quickly in that very first episode. In fact, the show doesn't waste a lot of time, which I kind of, I kind of like, but I agree with you. There was, there was a whirlwind of information just being thrown around. Uh, and you kind of just like, you know, you just kind of come to this like point and you're like, wow, how did we get here? But at the same time, you're just like, but I want to know where we're going. Like, let's, let's go. Right. So that was a really cool moment. Actually, when Loki was time slipping too, uh, that, that other TVA guy, I always forget his name. Oh man, it's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. Is he the guy from episode two who was like the main character? Oh, Casey. Yeah. 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 He's listening to uh, something that keeps you awake, which is the same track that Moon Knight used. Oh, yeah, that's cool. It's it's like uh, a whole thing about mindfulness and and like you know like hey let's stay awake and let's do this and he's is I mean I guess in TDA they don't sleep. No, there's there they have this whole otherworldly thing and I, I mean they're in crisis mode now kind of because of everything that's happening and yeah. nobody remembers the changes except Loki so Loki's got to run around and tell everybody. No, that that man, that scary man, he's he's doing all this. Uh, and it really I thought it was setting the stage for one thing, and then it it didn't. And I I'll ask you this question that I wrote in my notes, but first I have to read this note to you, Ryan, because it's a note that I had for episode one that immediately got undercut once I saw episode two but it's still probably my favorite note that I've ever written for our show. So I wanted to read it out to you, which says this Sylvie being in a 1980s McDonald's means that there's a very real possibility. We're going to see grimace. (laughs) Oh man. I I wrote hashtag grimace confirmed. Oh no. Um, Nihilus all over again. (laughs) Well, no, Nihilus is coming. Leslie Bibb needs the paycheck. But my question for you is, I thought when when episode one ended, I thought this season is going to be about A, stopping Kang, and B, finding Sylvie. But once again, just like the time slipping in episode two, that second problem got solved real quick because they found Sylvie. They got her. She's back. So what do you think this season is about? I think... I actually came to the, if you asked me before, if we did this recording before the second episode, I would have had a very hard time answering this question. I have a theory though. The, the conversation that's happening in this show is more about uh, not just Kang, but the idea of, you know, that it's kind of like the idea of freedom or chaos right? Because the end of Loki season one, if everything's preordained, then how can Loki be a god of mischief if everything's written in a script for him, right? There's no, there's no decision. There's nothing you do that, there's nothing you do that can impact anything. It's literally like, well, you literally have a choice. It's like you do this or you do this. That's it. There's no, you know, and, and for someone like Loki, it's like, that can't be it that, you know, because he can change things. He should be able to do that. But at the same time, he always wanted to rule. Right. 
so so you know he remains is like yo i don't want to do this forever you know why don't you take my spot and i'll let you rule you get to do everything you wanted and sylvie's like no that doesn't no that's not how that works because in the end they're just they're not being who they are they're being some something someone told them to be which was the problem with loki from the very beginning of thor is he had to be something he's not which is like he wanted to be a king but he was taken from that and he had to be odin's son and yeah. and at the same time he's like he can't be a king because there's thor right so he has to follow the script and and so you know when presented option a or option b sylvie was the c motion she literally like killed him but at the same time he was like that was my chance to rule we had our chance but sylvie's like you're not seeing the big picture here like we need to be free i want to do it i want to be able to do anything i want to do right so once that happened uh and she killed him you know he who remains is like well you know there's worse versions of me and now you've unleashed that right yeah. so now it's it's literally chaos versus like the antithesis of chaos which is i guess i don't know order uh and so now that's the battle that is the battle is is that's what loki season two is going to be all about because it especially with season the episode two where all the different timelines were being purged destroyed so that the narrative would be one narrative um loki can't handle that and that's why he needed sylvie because uh you know he wanted first of all he wanted to know why sylvie did what she did but for loki uh he's gonna not only is he trying to figure out what's going on with the tva but like like solving these problems he's trying to stop this kang from coming like this this kang that's going to destroy everything because chaos needs to happen there needs to be chaos and so that's the big conversation here i i'm curious to see how they're going to do that story and how like how they're gonna i guess how they're going to conclude this battle because this is because kang obviously kang right now anyway aside from you know outside politics here in terms of kang's story we know that there's a secret wars we know that there's this so loki doesn't win this and i don't know how he's going to win or not win this or what what conclusion is going to happen but that's the battle that needs to happen here and, and that's why like i think that there's you know you know one interesting thing about the love story here with what seems like him and sylvie is like is that you know love is kind of a chaotic emotion right like what you will do for love kind of mm -hmm. thing and i think that's going to be a really interesting narrative with him and sylvie because she you know i and, and i love that scene with owen wilson and uh what's his name brad wolf uh at at the mcdonald's when he's like you know opposites attract and what's crazy is is that loki and sylvie are the same person but they are very different they are yeah. very they see things very differently um, because Loki had his awakening moment, if you will, when he saw his own death uh, and 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 learned his story that had that plays out the pretty much the exact same way when he met the other Lokis, right? Like the old Loki, um, played by what's his name, Richard something, uh, Richard uh, e. Grant. 
sorry? Richard E. Grant. Yes, Richard Grant, yeah. thank you. Uh, he was like, oh, well, I, I'm not going to fight Thanos. Like, that, that was the dumbest move ever, right? Yeah. And that's why he lived as long as he did. But Loki saw that sacrifice, and that obviously brought something out of him. But, like, and we saw in the interrogation scene where he talks about, like, the, the Brad guy's like, oh, yeah, no, you know, these people, they, they, they're all fooled by you, but I know what you are. Right. And it's, and there's, that is like, that's a big part of this big story is like, he knows who Loki is and all about. And what's interesting is, is like, obviously Kang is going to be like the, the villain, like not the villain per se, but like, he's going to be the, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, the, the antagonist of Loki. Uh, and so that's where I think is where the story's going. It's kind of a long-winded answer, but that's that's where it's called. No, it's a great winded answer is what it is, because that you really touched on a lot of good stuff there. Like you about this being about the battle mm-hmm. that of this particular instance with, with time folding it on itself and all these branches being clipped. And I you brought up, you know, Secret Wars and you know Avengers five and six, and that I think that tracks, man, because I feel like, and I have this in my notes here too, I feel like if if Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are World War One and World War II, then this show so far, and we're only two episodes in, but so far the Loki show feels like it's the preliminary historical stuff that led up to those real world wars, like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, right? Hitler being declared Chancellor of Germany, like all of that stuff that was the butterfly effect that ended up becoming World War I or World War II, that feels like what we're watching here. And I can already see how, ooh, her killing He Who Remains or, ooh, that general clipping all these time branches, those are just these little appetizer moments of history that future kids in the MCU world will be reading in a textbook and saying, and that's how the Kang Dynasty started because of all these little actions, right? That's really feels like we're watching history unfold. And I think that's very, very cool. I haven't felt like that since the prequels where it's like, ooh, Palpatine's chancellor now. So I know what that's going to, what consequences that's going to have, right? And I love, that's a beautiful comparison. Absolutely. And I love that you brought in like the, the historical kind of satire of it all. And I think exactly that. Yeah. And that's, I, I look forward to seeing it, honestly. I, I, I think what interests me the most, what, what I'm curious is, is like Kang, it's, it seems to me that it's Kang the Conqueror that is coming back. Because like no one really, if no one really dies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kang was beaten by an Avenger, which is normal. That happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I know that we saw in the end of Quantumania, they're like, oh, you know, the Conqueror is gone. So now we can do whatever we want. And we got like different versions of them. But I think, I don't think we've seen the last of Kang. I think Kang, the Conqueror, the one we saw from the movie, he's going to come back. And it's kind of like, because that's the thing. He's a Conqueror. He, he, he may have lost, but it doesn't mean he's going to stop. So I, I think what's going to happen is, is that this, uh, oh my God, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, the 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 variant um, of Victor Timely. Victor Timely. He's going to create the multiversal engine again, obviously, mm. and he's and he's going to turn it on, and then the Conqueror comes back out, and then you know, then that's when you see the statues of Kang the Conqueror. You know, it all comes full circle, which is interesting because 
Uh, Ouroboros, uh, Ouroboros is a symbol of a snake uh, head eating its tail. Yes. And it's kind of a symbol of, you know, the, the end is the beginning and the beginning is the end. Uh, so that I think that plays a major key to demonstrating that, like, you know, that all these timelines have been purged now and everything's kind of going into one narrative. It's going to bring back the conqueror and, the, and, you know, and the end is the beginning is that he's going to now create Kang's dynasty. Right. And I'm, I'm normally not one to want to see dead characters come back, but because Kang is so unique in that regard, I'm okay with it. And as much as I would love, like I'm really looking forward to seeing Ramatut and Immortus. Like I can't give me all the Ramatut and Immortus, but I do want to see the Conqueror back, A, because that's his most iconic look. And I mean, B, it's very easy to do without feeling like it cheapens Quantumania. Because who says there aren't multiple conquerors? There's a trillion kings, right? True, true. But but one thing now, I'm I do agree with you. I do disagree though as well because one thing I always love is a character who gets who comes back from being beaten mm. is like is always the retaliation is always an interesting arc for me because again, like this guy's a conqueror. And he just lost. So what is someone who just lost, if he survived, assuming he survived his, uh, his that near the end there? Um, I, again, I need to watch it. I need to watch the end again just to see like how it plays out. But but I do want. You're right. Like there are thousands of Kang Conqueror variants that could easily take his place. Uh, but I do want that version to come back because of you know this guy this guy was standing pretty tall until he got knocked out by one of what is considerably one of the weakest Avengers aside from widow and Hawkeye on the scale of superhuman ability. So, so I'm curious to see how that will, will play out. Yeah. I mean, at this point, any King is good King, right? And any, I'm sure Victor Timely's coming. I mean, that's a beautiful way to say it. Any King is a good King. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I guess we can jump to episode two, unless there's anything about episode one that I forgot to mention. Um, to there is up. one thing that I do want to mention. Um, I don't know why I'm all blurry here. Stop. The camera blurry. can't handle your good looks. It can't, apparently. Uh, so I think the one thing I do want to mention, though, is that... Um, is that... Uh, give me a second. I'll get there. Oh, uh, when Loki's time slipping, he gets he he's talking about how things are different, and he's pointing out that there's a new Kang, and and he's really bad, and you know, it, and and the reason is that he's bad, and this plays back to my earlier answer, is that he talks about um, how Kang the TVA kidnapped these people from their timelines, and yeah. they all have to serve him, and Loki's trying to be like, no, like you had a life. And they and he try and him and Sylvie try to awaken them and take them to their realities. That's why we saw one of the TVA agents. She's like Sylvie sipping the uh, drinks with them at the bar, and they're talking about how life was so grand, and they they never knew this, right? Um, and she's I think Sylvie even says, "Oh, this is this is her life," but she doesn't know it yet or something like that. Um, and so <laughs> I love with Mobius. He all he wants to do is just be on a jet ski. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but uh, but um, 
Yeah, even with Loki, he's like he's helping the TVA be like, no, live your lives. You all have timelines to go back to. This needs to stop. Like, we need to control this a little bit, but that doesn't mean like we need to like get rid of all these timelines. It's just like you just need to monitor things, I guess. Um, so so yeah, so there's that narrative there. But he when he time slips, he he hits the wall with the with the pruning stick. And, and it opens up with the different faces of Kang. And mm-hmm. what that is, is that's the council of Kang. So we got our first kind of introduction. Well, technically second of the real introduction uh, of the council of Kang, because in the first one, we did had the different Kangs on the chairs, but they were robots, kind of like a theme park thing. Uh, but this time around is like, there's, there is a legit, uh, and we saw it in Quantumania as well. There is a legit council of Kangs which is going to be really cool. I know. I can't wait to get more with them. Uh, so episode two, um, we they kind of sideline a little bit. Uh, actually, no, never mind that. They don't sideline it. Never mind, because I forgot something that happens later. But we start off with uh, them going to pick up this TVA guy, uh, Brad Wolf. Who, who is Love that scene. Oh my god. Yeah. The Brad Wolf story is so good. He's living his life as a B-movie star. He's in a 70s monster movie called Zaniac, which is totally the kind of movie I would want to watch. Yep. Um, and they gotta get him back because he's trying to relive his, his old life. And we get to see something that we don't see too often on the show because we're stuck in the TVA a lot, which is Loki using his good old-fashioned trickster powers. And it was so nice to see those powers again. And they did some great stuff with the shadows on the wall, which was yeah. just a fun new touch. Again, Marvel's great at just showing us people using powers in ways we couldn't think of and getting creative with it and getting visually creative with it. That shadow play that they did there, magnifique. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're we're back seeing Loki in, in action. And then uh, we get to... Uh, we get to experience what it's like for some of these TVA employees who are realizing the truth and wanting to get their lives back. And the biggest advocate for that seems to be, I forget her name. Who's like the, the chief guard there. Who's like, she's their, their uh, power. I think her, she's like B B zero one or something like that. Like she has a, she's like a number. Right. Yeah. She's got a designation there, but she, um, I'm glad she's back. Because yeah. her character is getting more and more complex. And she's really, again, going back to that historical allegory, she really feels like a historical figure who she's going to be championing this. She's going to be like the abolitionist for let's get these people back to their lives that were stolen from them. Yeah, uh, And you can already see that starting when she has that meeting with the creepiest freaking people in existence in that TVA war room, including yeah. the, the ultra creepy lady from Game of Thrones uh, as the general. And again, they are, they're playing with that idea of everybody has been essentially kidnapped from their prime timeline. And if I remember right, Ryan, that was all the work of Renslayer. Like she, or at least she was in on that. Uh, yeah, she's she was, definitely in on it. Yeah. Right. Because every time back in season one, when Mobius would be like, what's the deal with this, this kidnapping business? She'd be like, nah, don't worry. Don't worry, man. I got you. Don't worry. Like yeah, she was, worry she would obfuscate all the time. So she's in on this, and I'm glad to see that they are keeping the Renslayer stuff going because a we know it ties into Kang, which we want, 
She's and, a very important character to Kang. She's very important. Yeah. And, and B, uh, thinking of Nick's friends at the back of the theater, right, who who might not be as plugged into this as we are. Gotta love the back of the theater. I know. Um, it's nice to keep her, to keep Renslayer and what she did at the forefront of things because it's so important. And I don't want the casual fans to miss out on that because at the end of the day, she's not a, a super memorable character and that's nothing against the actor or the character is like, she's awesome. I love Gugu and Bathara. It's just, there, you know, there's so much going on on this show and nobody really remembers the show for Renslayer. So I'm glad that they're keeping her stuff relevant so that all the folks in the back of the theater are like, oh yeah, that lady, she was up to something. That judge, where did she go? I'm glad they're not beating around the bush with it. Same as I said about Kang, because that's important. We got to get to that. We have to keep reminding people she's out there and she's probably up to no good. That's right. Honestly, she's up to no good. Uh, we did hear in the tape recorder that she's obviously found Kang, or at least working with him. Um, you yeah, know. he found like a full-on Batman Arkham Asylum tape recorder where he just heard these two bullets <laughs> <bonus talking. laughs> um, But yeah, she, you know, they do that for all time, always, right kind of thing. And mm -hmm. uh, um, and yeah, so I, I think this. Uh, Renova Renslayer is definitely aligning to the comic book one, uh, comic book version uh, for the dedication of, uh, you know, the de dedicated to Kang. So I'm very curious. Uh, I'm very curious, uh, you know, see what she's up to. Um, and again, it, it is, you're right, it, it, but it does bring it back to this fight for freedom kind of thing that Loki seems to be really on really on and really wants to, you know, help out and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, honestly, I'm very, I, I agree with you. I don't think she was, she didn't have a lasting impression in the first Loki season, but she's definitely, I think she has an opportunity to be a very big character in this season. And I, I do hope it, it pays out. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're not sweeping her under the rug, or saving her for episode six. Like, yeah, what she's doing has got to be talked about. Um, speaking of things that have to be talked about, let's talk about key lime pie. Okay. <laughs> um, first have you of had all, key lime pie? <laughs> I have, but let me tell you, it's never looked that good. <laughs> um, and I mean, you and I have both been on movie sets, and we know that very rarely do you get actual food put in front of you. Uh, actual edible food put in front of you um, when there are scenes that require eating. Usually it's a plate of something very cold or something very plastic. And I think in this case, we were looking at the latter because if there is a piece of key lime pie on this planet Earth that looks that good, I haven't seen it yet. Um, and in fact, if you watch carefully when they're eating, Ryan, the only thing you see them scooping up and putting in their mouth is the whipped cream. <laughs> there's no actual moment where they're putting pie in their mouth and I'm like, Oh, that's probably plastic, but it looks so good. Um, but yeah, that's, you know what that room, that lunch room reminded me of the lunch room where Peggy used to eat an agent Carter. That's true. Remember? That's true. I didn't even think of that. That is really <laughs> clever. Oh yeah. It's that old school, like put in a nickel, pull out a hot sandwich. Ah, uh, we need to bring that back. What are we doing? Humanity. What are we doing? What are we doing? 
Um, it's but you know you bring up also an interesting scene. So the the Brad Wolf scene is a big part of this this whole episode, and the interrogation. I love it. I mentioned it earlier with the whole like he calls out Loki. He's like you know you have you may have them fooled, but you know you haven't fooled me. Mm-hmm. You know, I know who you are. I know what you do, and I and and remember Mobius is not the same Mobius that right. that we've seen from season one the relationship that he built with mobius in season one has been hit reset in season two so uh because he's in a different reality uh of of the kangs now so um so that's really interesting and uh, you know now the more i think about him having these like epiphany moments of like oh my god i just realized because like they killed him at the end of time uh, they killed the he who remains at the end of time. And then there's a new beginning at the TVA with this new Kang. And if time works differently, then that's the new end result, right? So mm-hmm. obviously whatever Loki does, it, it I think it, it is going to, in the, in the end, inevitably, like you say, with history, put the key players in their places for the, the inevitable events to happen. So that's, and, and all Loki's doing, though he thinks he's, changing and making all the differences he's literally just playing a game of chess where he's falling into all the traps and then checkmate um which will be really cool but it the brad scene's really fun because this relationship he has with uh mobius and he talks about the pie uh you know i love that scene where he's like you know mobius like don't let him get to you he's gonna get under your skin and he gets brad gets both of them he gets i he gets loki a little bit but loki you know brings it back in but mobius ends up going after him and like just just slapping him in the face kind of thing um and there's an important scene there where loki is kind of like now mentoring mobius where it was kind of the other way around in season one yeah like one of my still one of my favorite moments from from the loki show where he's like where mobius like knows everything about loki and he's just like, why do you do it? Why do you why do you do what you do? And he's like, because you know, he gives the illusion of control. Fear gives the illusion of control. That's why I did what I did. So Loki's kind of like, you know, mentoring Mobius. Now, what Mobius is learning from Loki is I, I again I I don't know at this point, but it's a it's a powerful scene, though. It's a powerful scene of like he's like, hey, like, you know, it's cool, man. You can talk to me. And and then they do the torture scene, and and Loki just plays Brad so well, just so well, and it turns out it's Mobius's idea, and it's it's just so well done. Um, uh, but it's it's an important scene, and, and again, just speaking to the level of writing on this episode is is or these uh, this season so far is is absolutely epic. Yeah, and even just between C- uh, episode one and episode two. I, I liked episode one and then I loved episode two. Like episode two really just picked up more speed and I'm already more invested and interested than I was at this point in the first season. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I can't really point a finger as to why. I just, I guess maybe because I know we're picking up speed. The snowball is, is rolling closer and closer to the inevitable Kang dynasty. So Mm-hmm. I am. I'm just waiting to see how all this fits into that puzzle. Um, I had a question of something that I couldn't remember, and I was hoping you could fill me in on this, buddy. The the thing that Sylvie's got, the the rock that's that glows, 
what what is that what is that thing? <laughs> the rock that glows. She kept taking it out and looking at it. It just looks like a flat stone that she just picked up oh, on a beach. Oh, you don't remember what that is? I, I can't remember at all. What is that? Asking who remains. It's this little time dial. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. That there. That allows yeah, that... you to teleport and jump around, do all sorts of cool things, rewind time, stop people in their tracks. So basically, that's she's using that in lieu of a tempad. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, I totally. It was not clicking for me. I'm like, what is that? Is like, what are we looking at here? What's going on? Um, yeah. So that's what he was using. Beautiful. Okay. So now that she's got one, does that mean? I mean, I would assume there are a bunch of those. There's one of those for every king, maybe. So. What happens when well, two characters meet? Who's to say, though, it's the exact same? Yes, that's right. Because I don't think he had one in Quantumania, did he? Mm -hmm. He had the thing. Some, he had something yeah, on his he wrist. He had a little like pat on his wrist. Yeah, when he was torturing Cassie. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I'm curious now. like, What happens if two characters meet who have that same technology or that same device? Maybe that's the the way to defeat Kang is get your hands on one of those. That's going to be the MacGuffin of it all, right? Shang-Chi and She-Hulk are going to be like, we got to get a glowy rock. Let's go find uh, Sylvan and get a glowy rock. I, I, I in a, in just, you know, a little side note here is like, I just want to see those characters come back. Like She-Hulk, she had, honestly, those, like, there are some solid episodes she had in her show, like solid episodes. Mm -hmm. Daredevil, loved it. Uh, you know, the first two episodes of the Hulk loved it. And I just want to see her now just in more projects so she can really stand out and have some good, really solid, more solid moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Shang-Chi, same thing. Like, Simu, man, where are you? Let's get you going. Like, they should have greenlit two more of those by now. I know that movie made them so much money. What are they doing? I know, uh, I know. It's it's crazy, but anyway. So, but yeah. So that's what she has. She has a temp pad. Gotcha. She's got a special cane temp pad. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the the idea of all these TVA employees gradually, you know, fighting to get back to their lives. Uh, I mean, we love Loki and Mobius because they're the heroes of the show, and like, who doesn't love Mobius? Mobius is so amazing. Um, but we watch this and we can't help but be like, yeah, Brad Wolf is right. Let these people go home. Let these people take their lives back. Uh, and I'm curious to see if that's going to continue. You know, is Ouroboros going to be like, hey, I want my life back? Is the other guy whose name we keep forgetting, uh, the guy who showed up and told them about the tempad in this episode, is he going to want his life back? Mm. Um, and how difficult will that be now that creepy Game of Thrones lady has clipped so many branches. And thankfully, they, they made a point of showing us, the audience, she clipped a ton of branches, Ryan, but she didn't clip all of them. There's still some there, which yeah. keeps the doors open for things like Deadpool 3, because we know that's got to happen on a branch, right? So I loved seeing... It was just the right amount where it's like there's... There was 40 branches and now there's three left. So it's still a tragedy. It's still a heinous act that she committed. But at the same time, it still keeps these possibilities open because we know there's more to come. 
Well, there's and, and there has to be branches because there's still one character who can really take advantage of that storytelling, and that's America Chavez. She can she can multiverse jump. Yes. Uh, where has so, she been? Yeah, where has she been? Like, Get her. You mentioned bringing other Avengers and stuff into the TVA. She's the one that's got to come in there and set things right. Yeah, I would love to see that. Honestly, I, that, again, like Doctor Strange can even can, can even play a role in that too. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, honestly yeah, it's um, it kind of brings a lot of curiosity. But you're you're right with the branches. There's there's still a few branches left, but they did they did illustrate a good point of like there's very few very few left yeah i'm very curious to see what that means in the coming episodes oh yeah like that's trillions of lives gone so how does that affect everybody? but you know but you know what i'd like to see? yeah you know you know what i'd like to see though that we that that especially with um Ouroboros, is i would love to see them take a little technique from the dc playbook and have a character be one character for the whole thing until near the end when they're another character. Like, I cannot stress to you the delight and surprise when I found out that Rachel Ghoul was Liam Neeson. Because they okay. were so clever that in IMDb, they used his character's fake name to disguise who he was. And then the movie, when the movie dropped, and then you finally get near the end, he he goes, oh, or just merely parlor tricks to conceal your true identity. And then he reveals that he is Rachel Ghoul. And it's, right. and I would love, love Marvel to play that kind of, that move where it's like the character, you, the character set up so carefully that there's like a big reveal moment that they they were that if you if you were paying so such close attention you would have realized that this character is actually this person and then you kind of come to that 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 come to the actual self actualization moment of like oh my god this is that character and it's and then they they say who it is you know it's the same thing with like almost the same thing with uh, Wanda is like when you're wondering when she's ever gonna become the Scarlet Witch and then, right. Just in Wanda's vision, ah, uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I again, I I wonder if Ouroboros is is actually another character in disguise or something like that. But that would be super cool. Like in his other life, he's someone that we know of. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my god, you were the guy from X Force this whole time. Cool. Uh, that yeah. yeah, that would be outstanding. Maybe Mobius is the Silver Surfer, right? A jet, a jet ski and a surfboard—they're they're, kind of cousins. And hey, who? Which artist drew a very famous Silver Surfer comic? An Mobius. artist by the name of Mobius. That's right. So it's, his comics, his comics go for a lot of money. Yes, they do. A lot of money. You heard it here first. Mobius confirmed he's a Silver Surfer. <laughs> Scooped. Yeah, but it's it's definitely the writing is so top notch on this this season and uh, and yeah and this this whole uh, actually that also brings the question this general that's uh, that's executing uh, Ravona and in uh, in Kang's you know will uh, and the other thing too is the AI Miss Time uh, Loki made a point of mentioning that that even this AI is working for. Uh, Ravona Renslayer, so. Right, yeah, Miss Minutes, you can't trust her anymore. No. 
So I'm really curious as to what that means as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her again too. And they, they keep teasing her and talking about her. And that was a cool reveal in season one where she was up to no good. She's just this cute little clock. And then she's like, oops, I like to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly i uh, can't wait to see that trio of antagonists her and, and renslayer and kang and just have them show up and just mess shit up and yeah see loki and mobius have to deal with it it's gonna be good honestly i there's right now there's not much to nitpick uh just because like it's still so early in the game but seeing Loki exercise his powers a bit, his relationship with Sylvie, even Sylvie could be, though she's a variant, she could have an enchantress moment, you know, and like mm -hmm. reveal that as well. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm really curious to just see how this is playing out. I, I, I will say it's very easy to get lost in this story very quickly. But you yes. have to, you, this is actually the one show where I do think you have to do your homework a little bit and make sure you know what's going on from the first one to the second one. And, and on top of that, pay attention to Kang from Quantumania a little bit. So, yeah, do the Kang homework. Read your history books, kids. Yeah. Um, and I do want to bring up one other thing, um, but I'm going to need you, I have to grab something. I should have brought it with me. It's just like, 20 feet away, but I need you to vamp for like 15 seconds while I go get it. Okay. Okay. Keep everybody entertained. I'll be right back. All right. So this, this, yeah, this season of Loki fans is going to be interesting. I am, I am very, I, I don't want to be, I don't want my expectations to be set up too much, but I do think that this, I do personally think that this season of Loki, I don't, I don't want to be baited. I don't want to be baited by that Feige radar. But like, I do think that this this Loki will have another big moment, like the first season where they revealed He Who Remains. Like, I'm very curious if there's going to be a big reveal moment of another character. Uh, it maybe Kang, or maybe you know uh, Ravana Renslayer in her actual you know princess form kind of thing. Uh, so I, I'm curious, or even like something like the Damocles base, like I would love to see that, that kind of thing. Um, something, I don't know what it is, but it, I do personally believe there will be a big reveal. Oh yeah. And it'll be, I, I can imagine it would be a bigger reveal than what we got in season one too, because season one followed the whole formula that all the Marvel shows did, which is it was very contained in and of itself. Um, and the reveal of Kang was sort of, it was cool, but it was like, it was the first time we saw him. So it still felt self-contained. Whereas this, whatever they do, I feel like it's just going to fit in more with the breadth of this whole multiverse saga, whether it's an appearance by the Conqueror or by Immortus or whatever, Doctor Strange, Morbius, <laughs> the living vampire. I don't know, right? It could be anything. But I feel like it's going to be something substantially bigger and juicier than we even got in season one. And speaking of season one, that's what I wanted to talk about here. Because I'm, I'm so glad that this is finally a thing. And oh, that's so cool. Yeah. For those who are just listening to the audio, um, physical media is important, kids. It really, really is. Um, and if we don't 
vote with our wallets, we lose it, as has clearly been told. And I know it's it's not easy for everybody uh, to do so, but if you're able to, I would say do it. Uh, this is, I got Loki season one, the Blu-ray here. Uh, they're finally putting the Disney Plus shows out slowly but surely. Uh, next month, we're getting WandaVision. And in December, we're getting two seasons of Mandalorian. And I, I'm, I'm already waiting at the store for it. Um, but it's so nice to be able to see this story, like to take it home, right? Because there's so much going on here. And it's very fitting that this was the first one that they adapted. Uh, and I looked at the back. There's uh, there's Miss Minutes on the back, and there's Loki in the castle, and he's all like, "Ooh, I'm scared. This is a scary castle." Um, and it's really just these shows, especially a show like Loki and a show like Wandavision, they deserve this kind of treatment, right? They deserve. They do honestly. Being able to get our hands on this stuff is is, is really important. There's a a postcard with alligator Loki on it. And I'm sure there's even more. Oh. Inside, but I just haven't opened yet, right? That's adorable. Uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the special features as well and the diving deeper into that. But it because it's such an integral part of Marvel lore. I mean, if you're the kind of person who has all the movies on your shelf, this belongs there. Um, and this is not sponsored by Disney, by the way. Though I wish it no, were. it's not. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I am, in fact, I shouldn't even be doing them this favor with the way they're treating actors, writers, and VFX artists, but I'm doing this because I love those actors, writers, and VFX artists for the stories they're telling us, right? Not because I love the shareholders, um, but really this is a dying art. So if, if you're able to, and you like this kind of thing, go for it because the more people who go in for this, the more the dumb old shareholders will look and be like, duh, putting discs means more money for us. And then they'll actually put out more discs. And that's how they really talk. I've met some of them. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you there. Uh, but no, it's true. Uh, honestly, I, as someone who who has a DVD collection and Blu-ray collection, I, I definitely, those DVDs have piqued my interest. Um, I do like the convenience of, of owning a license digitally uh, because I like when I travel to have the ability to watch a show offline. I need to be dependent on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's, that's a really nice alternative, uh, especially with Disney+. Plus. I thought Disney Plus had a download option to watch all our content. They don't. You have to be online to watch any other stuff, which sucks. Mm -hmm. No, they really getting to own something in this day and age is becoming more and more of a struggle. So when the opportunity knocks, do so. They also released uh, Prey, the Predator a prequel, which was amazing. I picked yes. that up too. It, it, it wasn't a fancy steel book like this, but it was just, it was so nice uh, to be able to get that in the collection because Prey was bomb. I love you know what? I, I, I don't know if I even got to talk to you about it, but yeah, that was a, that is a great movie, honestly. Yes. But what I love about it is that's how you tell a prequel. Yeah, is it has it 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 has very little to do with like filling in plot holes of the story. It's like these are the events that happened before these events, and it's it's there's not there's not like literally nothing related to any of the other predators except for the fact 
that this is not the first time they've been here. And, you know, and, and it just helps identify the fact of like, this is why they keep coming back because they don't win. And right. So, so cool. And a predator is showing up in Loki episode five confirmed. <laughs> we just found out. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan, do you have any final thoughts on this second season of Loki and what we've gotten? Uh, as as mentioned, it is a breath of fresh air. Uh, I am so happy, so happy that this show is kicking off in the right way. Um, it kind of, uh, I, it kind of feels like an Empire Strikes Back, of 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 kind of this exhaustive pace that we've been going with with Marvel a little bit, um, and that, like I said, I think something big could happen with this, which is great. And if it is, then it just goes to prove that, especially with a show like Loki, that Loki is kind of actually perpetuating the saga of, I can't remember what this saga is called. I know the other one was the multiverse. This is the multiverse saga. This is the multiverse saga. So the one before that was the infinity. No, no. Is it? Yeah. But there's, what's the saga after it then? It goes infinity saga, then multiverse saga. Multiverse. That's all we got so far. Yeah. No, there's one missing there. I swear. Anyways, my point is, is that Loki is kind of like the, what do I, how do you phrase it? The, uh, God, it's just basically Loki is the show that is perpetuating the major arcing story. Yeah. He's the spine. Yeah. The spine. Yes. He's yes. He's the spine that is connecting this whole thing. And with that being said, it, it I, I am curious because now we're, t- I know the multiverse. No, see, yeah. Cause the multiverse saga ended Oh, no, you're right. We are in the multiverse saga. But phase four of the multiverse saga is ended. Yes. And now we're in phase five. Right. So, uh, and phase four ends with Ant-Man, is my, as if I remember. Uh, no, phase four ends with Wakanda Forever, and phase five begins with Ant-Man. Got it. Yeah. So, now I'm all caught up. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, with that being said, uh, you know, uh, Ant-Man, you know, was different. Marvel thought it was good. But that being said, we are still in a new phase. So even with the Marvels, I'm curious as to what, how that, uh, how the storytelling is going to change with the with these movies, especially with Kevin really cleaning up house. You know, they've had a lot of time with Marvels now, and yeah. I remember there was some reshoots that they did do with this one. So I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out. Well, yeah, reshoots. I mean, they're par for the course. They're nothing to concern. Um... What concerns me about Marvels is that it has to, not has to, that sounds kind of petty of me to say that, but it should uh, take the worlds of Carol, the worlds of Monica, which includes the WandaVision stuff now, and the worlds of Kamala, and make them cohesive. And it's doing that in what we've recently learned is the shortest runtime of any MCU movie, period. Yeah. So it's got its work cut out for it. Um, but I'm, I'm pulling for it, man. I'm, I, I can't wait. But the featurette, which I'm, always, I'm actually always, I, I'm not even excited for trailers anymore. I'm excited for featurettes because they just, they give you everything you need to know. Um, they did say one thing that I was excited about uh, when, when it came to, when it came to uh, the Captain Marvel story is that she needs to learn leadership. 
Yes. And that's what this movie is exactly about. It's about her learning what leadership is all about, which which makes sense. And it, it, it's perfect for her character. So I, I, I now that we're in a new phase, we've had a lot of experimentation with phase four. It's like, okay, we need to now pick up the pace here. We need to really kick it off. And that's one thing that I think it does excite me about Ant-Man quantum mania and not only with kang working it's like okay kang works so now we can like let's go let's let's pick up that pace and loki is a perfect example of perpetuating that in the sense of like yes okay kang is bad and look how bad he is and this is what's happening because of it and it's like you're not even getting time to get a breath of, like you're not even time to getting a rest because you're constantly just pushed into more and more and more and more right well, well it's less than a month away my friend we're going to find out soon. Yep, that's right. But we've got uh, a little over, a little under a week to go till the next episode of Loki. Until then, Ryan, where can the good people find you? Uh, well, as of right now, you definitely could find me on Instagram at, uh, at uh, Ryan J. Whitehead. Uh, and uh, you can find my YouTube videos at uh, youtube.com forward slash expert zone. Give a like and subscribe. We just hit 10,000 followers. Wow, congrats, man. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a long, long grind of a process, but I think our team has finally found some good flow of videos and, and what we like writing about and everything. So it's, it's been going really well. So definitely, uh, if you haven't already, give us a like and subscribe. We appreciate it. Yeah, like you guys, you know your, your games, you know your Xbox. There's a reason it's called Expert Zone and not Amateur Zone. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter, Elon. Go F yourself. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew uh, Fantasia. And you can also find me on Amazon, hawking my fantasy novels. We were wizards. Um, the first one is purple, and the second one is there too. It's gray, so you can get them both right now on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, or ebook. They're called We Were Wizards. I promise they're fun and they have wizards in them. Um, but that has been all for Infinity Rewatch for today. It's so good to be back, buddy. Uh, we got so good to be back. four more episodes of Mr. Loki ahead of us. And I think Loki ends the same day the Marvels comes out. I think you're right, yeah. I yeah, so. so that'll be quite the double bill. We'll figure out how we're gonna do that when the time comes. Uh, but in the meantime, everybody, happy October. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Until then, please have a marvelous day.